Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time and she's Stacey Mitchell. We've got Nick Wolf behind the camera waiting for his wife to uh, have a baby any second now. Apparently she, she's ready to roll. So appreciate you being <laughs> here, brother. And uh, again, we work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. And interesting news came out. And we've got a couple news stories we're going to hit on. We're going to talk about what's happening in the market coming up as we head into the winter, the NAR National Conference, some listing legislation coming out of that in line with the DOJ case that we've talked about. But first, we want to talk about what sellers are thinking right now, because this has been like the number one topic. And ladies, if I'm wrong, interrupt me right now. But all people talk about right now is there's no homes available. There's no inventory. Is that pretty, pretty fair to say? Yep. Yep. All right. <laughs> so Realorder.com just did a study that revealed that 65% of home sellers are planning to sell their homes in the next six months with the intention of taking advantage of the strong seller's market conditions. So according to the manager of economic research, George Ratto, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. So um, he's at realorder.com. He came out and said that the pandemic has delayed plans for many Americans and homeowners looking to move on to the next stage of life. And recent survey data suggests, suggests many prospective sellers are actively prepping to enter the market this winter. And he goes on to give some numbers. These numbers are mind-boggling to me. So more than one-fourth, more than 25% of homeowners plan to sell their home within the next year with 65% of those people planning. So 65% of the 25%. So what's the math on that? We'll break out the calculator here. Anyone we'll quick on that? 25. <laughs> so 16.25% of homeowners, still a big number. I mean, wow. that, that, that's a big number. They... Um, of the 65% of the 25% are planning to list within the next six months. And here, here's the stuff that's even more interesting. 19% of those homeowners surveyed, they've already placed their homes on the market. So 19% already listed. 93% of them have already taken the preliminary steps, like talking to an agent, researching their home's value, and uh, you know getting like repairs done and seeing what kind of improvements they need to make. So... You know, the question I have for, for you two, and we can, we can dive into this here, is this going to be the biggest winter market ever? Because it certainly sounds like with that many people coming to the market. What do you think? I hope so. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Great answer. Let's end the show right there. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, there always is a lot of talk about when is when is a good time to do it? Do we wait until there's there's typically been seasonality in the market of, you know, oh, we should wait to list until then or, you know there's different timeframes that people kind of have in their heads. And I, I will say that the last year and a half, two years have certainly been different than previous years. And I think that that's something that's going to continue to happen. And, um, it, it certainly takes away from the seasonality of, of the market and speaks to people wanting to take advantage of what's going on and let's just, let's do it. And I mean, there's buyers out there for it. So, uh, that would be great. <laughs> Sounds exciting, that's for sure. <laughs> but I think in the past uh, two years, um, all norms have been totally like exploded. There's not really, it, it's, you can't depend on what used to be or how it used to be done because everything's just changed. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the standardized way of waiving inspections. I mean, who would have thought that, you know, covering appraisal gaps, things like that. They're, that's normal. That's normal place now in, in the market. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to hear this, uh, all this data coming out. I think it's going to just be a tremendous market gearing up. There's still uh, an incredible amount of buyers out there searching, and it's going to be that way for the next four or five years because the millennials hitting the market. Um, and maybe this will help calm people down thinking that, you know, again, it's it's going to um, create more sellers, I think, because there is going to be more inventory on the market. So people who thought they couldn't get into a new home or into a different home will think twice because the inventory will increase. Well, and, and you both bring up really good points and and that you know, eventually it has to go the other way. You can't have this like declining inventory month over month. And in the past two years, that's pretty much what's happened since January of 2020, where inventory, you know, kept going down and down. And then the pandemic happened. It all went to crap. And then now, and, and then even after the pandemic, you saw a bump from the fear factor and, and the, the legality factor of listing your home. And it's been declining ever since. And, you know, we're, we're seeing some indicators already for this. And before I get into those numbers, what, what I know is this. All the people and, and the sellers, especially, or the buyers that have said like, hey, we want to wait like th- this. Is, this is it, it's time to get off the fence, because if you continue to wait, a couple things are going to happen. Rates are going to go up, right? Like that's predicted. Now, we're not predicting things. This is what economists get paid to do. And we're just, you know, kind of kind of regurgitating the information. We're here to interpret data to make a strong decision. But for the sellers, like you're going to have a lot more competition. And this is this to me is the mistake people are making because that demand's not as frothy as it was even back in April compared to where we are now through the end of October. So like, do you, do you see the shifting from like some of the buyers that have said, hey, we want to wait or the sellers that are trying to time this properly? And I would also say the vaccination status of the country probably has a lot to do with this too. I mean, I think it's like north of 80% of people are vaccinated right now. Kids are getting vaccinated which is a big deal. They're talking about lifting the mask regulations in schools in January. So there's a lot of things happening that I, I would I would attribute to a lot of sellers coming back to the market because I, I, I there's still people that are scared out there. And I, I, I whether we like it or not, I think that's the reality. So for those people that have been on the fence, like what, what are you saying to them? Like you're in a conversation, someone's been talking about waiting or kicking the can down the road. Well, they might have missed their opportunity. That's what I'm worried about because if there's more homes getting listed, and rates are going up, the rates going up doesn't help buyers and more competition doesn't really help sellers. And now it's the cost of the dollar is going to be higher. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I mean, I would say, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. So <laughs> if you, always. you're never gonna, you know, if you're always waiting to then, like you'll realize that you did miss some some different opportunities there. Um, I would encourage buyers to, you know, to talk to an agent and that now more than ever, well, it's it's always very important to list your home at the right price, but um, to really take advantage of the fact that interest rates are still low, but will be creeping up. You know, you need to get some of these buyers that your place might not be an option for them a few months down the road. Um, get them in now, but also look and make sure that that you're putting your home on the market for the right price to bring in as many people as possible and to still take advantage of um, the seller's market that it that it still is. If you're if you're going in with a mindset of I'm the seller, I can have everything that I want and list it for whatever I want, that that's not going to be the right attitude. I I couldn't agree with you more. I th- those sellers that wanted to go in and really cash out high, 
you can still do really well historically, really well. Mm-hmm. Those people that wanted to cash out and like time it perfectly, I'm pretty clear that time has passed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, like you said, they're going to still do very, very well because the appreciated value is still there. It's just that you might not get the 40, 50, 60, $100,000 over asking price bidding war that we had seen out there. Um, but again, you're still going to do very, very well. So it's it like like Sarah said, hindsight's always twenty twenty. We don't know what's going to happen. We can just sit back and say, you know, correct statements on what has already happened. Mm-hmm. But um, for sellers, definitely, if you are considering, don't wait any longer. Just do what you need to do. Get it listed ASAP. Get your house on the market and get it sold. Uh, it's still great time. Still lots of buyers and um, and just get it done. If you hear a realtor and you're a potential seller say, wait till after the Super Bowl, throw that person out of your house immediately. Just tell them to get up and leave because this is one of those like realtor things. And you mentioned it. The market's changed. I don't know if it's ever going to go back to normal. That's a really good point. And like, that's one of those like realtor things like that. They say it that way because that's how it's always been done. And that's not the right advice right now. If you look at some numbers. So I pulled out our, our get off the fence calculator that we use, right? So looking at how the market's shifted since April to October, the end of October, inventory in Chester, Delaware, Montgomery counties, and Philadelphia is up anywhere from 13.5 to 40.76%. That's the number of units available. In terms of supply, Montgomery County's up 19.74%. Chester, Delaware, and Philadelphia are up between 44 and 54.97%. So we're seeing that there there is a lot more inventory now. And, you know, we've seen that, that, that some of the terms that you couldn't, like the waiving inspections, which is such a big one, mm-hmm. that you can get inspections like accepted again. Like it's not, it, it may not, maybe not all the time, but it's it's more common. And when you look at pricing, here's the interesting thing. Chester County, since April, it's up 3.82% on the median sale price. Delaware County's down 4.94%. Now, again, Delaware County is very diverse. You know, you go from Radnor to, you know, d- down by the airport. It's just a very different area. Mm-hmm. Montgomery County, there's been zero change in the median sale price. Zero change. And in Philadelphia, the median sale price is down 2.64% since April. So from April to October. So these indicators to me, and this is all data from the MLS, on top of more sellers coming to the market and rates going up, I'm not saying it's going to be a bad market. What I'm saying is you better be mindful of what's going on? Because if you don't know this data, like imagine you're a seller and you think it's going to be all rainbows and unicorns and multiple offers come March or April. The data is telling me otherwise. And now you have all these people coming to the market. You know, I I would say throw any sort of seasonality out the window, get your home on the market now, or at a minimum, just accelerate the process and start having those conversations. Because if you don't, you're going to be kind of the last one to the party. And that's never a good spot to be when it comes to trying to time the market. If you're looking to max out now, you could have a, a family situation going on that pre- prevents you from moving. You could have some sort of other condition. Like, that's the reason to stay put. I want to be very clear. But if you're trying solely to time the market, mm-hmm. get your home on the market now before the before it all comes. You know, I mean, because there's going to be a lot more competition. And we're still going to see record prices. Mm-hmm. But you may not get, like, the multiple offers or the great terms that you were able to dictate most of 2021 and, and the second half of 2020. Yeah. I mean, I think definitely get your expectations in line. Um, no what's going on to kind of determine what you can expect to get out of it and figure out what are the most important pieces um, for you to walk away with from the sale and try and line that up because you might not get all of it. Mm -hmm. I agree. 
100%. And the investors out there that are sitting on property, it's a good time to unload too. So if you've been thinking about that, um, you know, definitely jump in. You got you to take in. advantage of it, what we know, <laughs> and not, you know, what what could happen six months from now. So um, definitely it's it's time. You don't have to wait through December, through the holidays, like Tom said, after the Super Bowl. No, no, just because you can set your terms as far as the settlement date. So you can stay in your house, you know, through the holidays. You're not, you don't have to get kicked out, you know, during Christmas week. Um, <laughs> but you can you can close into January and, and or, you know, list your home first right off the jump mm-hmm. in January. Yeah, so have it ready to there's, go. Yeah, there's, there's ways to work around everything, but timing is always of the essence. So I think that, uh, you know, the faster and the quicker and be decisive about it, you know, just do it. So here's some interesting data that, that, that kind of compounds the article I'll share with you. And we can talk a little bit about this before we take a break is that millennials and Gen Zers are the most eager to sell with 40% of them planning to sell their home by the end of December. I've got some thoughts on that. Um, although Gen Zers are expecting to attract buyers at more affordable listing prices with a medium around 350, that's about 45% of them. Millennials are trying to tap into the higher end of the market with a median listing price of 750, and that's 49% of them. And on top of this, 20% of the people that are planning to sell are looking to get more than a million bucks for their home, which is pretty intriguing to me, knowing that our average sale price is hovering around that like 350, 400 range, depending on where you are. What does this generational data tell you about the people that are thinking of moving? Hmm. Interesting. I didn't know that about the millennials. I thought most of them were just getting into the market. So maybe they're trying to move up already. Well, well what I would right? say is they probably, I mean, these are the ones that actually own homes. Mm-hmm. So, but a lot of millennials, they kind of jumped over that first time purchase and they've gone True. right into like the 20 year property. I mean, gotcha. we've seen a lot of that with people in like their mid thirties. And what this tells me is these are people that are looking to lock in a home for like the next 20 years. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're in that like 20 year property to me what what I read into this and you're thinking about selling there's going to be an opportunity here like that to me is probably the hardest part of the market because the first time in trade up segments like those homes come on and off off the market all the time it's that home on like the one street you want to live on right. in the ideal neighborhood where you want to be or the property that is you know 5 blocks from your best friend and you're living on the other side of town and you want to move into a different neighborhood like th- those sort of more exclusive areas and where the people tend to hold the homes longer, where they're in that like premium or luxury price point. That to me is where the market's actually going to be stronger because there's so much demand to get in there because people don't want to move again. They want to lock in these lower rates Mm -hmm. and seeing that millennials and Gen Zers, I mean, you know, they're, they're classified as people. I always have to go through this. I can never keep track of who's millennials and and who's Gen Zers. But the the point is these are people like growing their families, not downsizing them. Right. right? So to me, that's, you know, seeing that, I mean, and, I'd love to get your feedback on this. I mean, the buyers you're working with at these higher price points, is that kind of what they're 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 looking for that long-term home? They got a mm-hmm. growing family. Is that kind of what's what's going on out there? Yes, definitely. They're <coughs> they're the ones that are looking to get into that neighborhood. Whether it be new construction or already existing, um, you know, in in the school district that they want, you know, in the neighborhood they want their kids to grow up in to make memories. That's exactly what we're working with at this point. Um, on the flip side, those sellers that their kids are all out, you know, they're either in college or out of college or moved on to their own. And so you have two people live in this big house. They're the ones that are downsizing. So it is that 20 year home, you know, they're the ones that are either going into 
uh, the 55 plus retirement communities or looking for that small ranch house in, mm, in that exclusive yeah. neighborhood. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're definitely, I'm working with a lot of buyers that are looking for that 20 year home. Well, I think that's a really important observation. So I think the message I'm hearing is if you're a buyer, like get off the fence, right? Mm-hmm. So far, so good. Yeah. If you're thinking about selling, maybe move up your plans and accelerate them a little bit. And then if you're in that, like, I'm not sure if I should downsize. Is now the right time? And I would say any seller thinking about selling in the next like two to three years, I'd get, I'd get, I'd start, I'd look at like, what does it take to make a move now? Like, where do I got to be comfortable? And I know some people are going into rentals because they don't know where they want to buy. And I think that's a totally good way to go about it because you don't want to rush into the next purchase and, and kind of jump into this competitive market. Some people want to you know move to warmer weather, right? Or they want to move like down, like down the shore, these other places. So if you're in that spot where you don't know what you want to do, but you want to take advantage of the market. Like just, just get some advice about where things are going because we can see like we are very clearly at the very beginning of a shift right now with the data that we shared and the people that always win in terms of like getting the best result. They're the ones that make a decision at the beginning of the shift, not like at the end when everything, all, all the buyers have been exhausted because there's going to be some point here where that happens. Probably not over the next year or two, but I mean, with rates going up, I think people are going to be a little more hesitant. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, if you're somebody who knows that in the next couple years, you don't want to be in the home that you've been in for, for the last 20 years, even if exactly like you said, even if you don't necessarily know what your next step is, it doesn't hurt to find out, um, you know, what your options are now, what you can expect to, to get out of selling your home and then see if the benefits of, of doing it now and, and getting the most from it outweigh, um, necessarily having your exact concrete next step in place. Like it may be, the additional amount that you may get um, of having this go through now might be worth it to kind of, you know, have a little limbo for for where you're where you're moving to. So it sounds like we got some sound advice for those people that are thinking about selling. And again, sixty five percent of home sellers are planning to sell in the next six months. Of the twenty five percent that have decided to move in the next twelve months, that's of all the homeowners that are out there. So this is going to be an interesting year, and and to me, it's going to be a real skill based market for a lot of agents. And we'll get into that in a little bit in a second here. Um, We're going to take a quick break, and then what we're going to do, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the NAR convention, some of the key takeaways. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. The real estate market is red 
15 back. You consider taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax at 610-692-6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com, to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. She's Sarah Time, and we've got Nick Wolf behind the camera. And what we are again, we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. And NAR, the National Association of Realtors, just had their their big convention. This is one of the conventions I'm happy to get notes from and not attend for the record. It's not the most exciting stuff, but it's all like policy and different things. And if you're a realtor and you don't like the policy, get involved with NAR. That being said, uh, they did have some interesting changes that have come about. And a lot of it are tied to the DOJ case that's been was supposed to be settled. Now it's not. So I'm going to run through some of this stuff with you. I want to get your reaction, Sarah and Stacy, and then we can talk about what it means for, for the market and for agents. So, uh, where, where, where it starts off is that um, they passed a what's called a, a listing attribution proposal. And um, apparently it was voted on pretty heavily in favor. It was 583 to 199. Seems like a pretty big difference there. And the policy requires agent and broker IDX sites, meaning the Internet Data Exchange. So any website that's not the MLS. So our team's website, you go to any brokerage's website, any of those. Um, it's going to require those websites to display the email or phone number providing provided by the listing participant. So if Sarah, you take a listing or Stacy, you take a listing, it's going to have the phone number that you provide to the MLS on there. Um, apparently, this was very controversial. Um, currently, the, the change is it only says the name of the listing agent on there. So it would say like brokered by XYZ Realty Firm or whatever it is like at the bottom. You've probably seen this on like Zillow or Redfin or these other different sites. And there was a little bit of a debate on this. Realogy and Zillow said, hey, it's a great idea. Remax was totally against the policy because they feel that uh, internet, the internet should be a virtual lobby to determine what agent you work with, which I found to be pretty pretty interesting take on it. Um, Zillow said they believe in transparency and consumer <laughs> choice and you know, whatever. Um, so what they did, so now you have to display an email or a phone number for the listing agent. What, what do you guys think about this? Does this even make a difference? Like, I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm really curious what, what your take is because you guys have both been consumers. Stacy, we worked together on a real estate transaction before we started working together. Nick, you've just been through one. I mean, Sarah, you, yeah, I mean, what, from the consumer side, is, are you even going to look at this? Like, tell me more about it. I think from the consumer side, <laughs> it's not really going to make any difference at all. I mean, the average consumer is not that interested in all the those extra they they want to find an agent who's going to show them the house i got to get in to see that home that's what they're focused on um so for the consumer i don't think it it's going to make a difference um again i i think transparency is always a good thing it's i find it funny that zillow believes in transparency also <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was pretty good in in this article um but yeah for the consumer i don't think it's going to be that much of a difference they don't really they just they're looking at houses they're looking at the the product that's you know what i mean that's where it's coming from so yep yeah i mean i would say for the the consumer really no difference there for other agents um I mean, it's it's a pain if you ever have to hunt down a, a number or a contact for anybody if you if you've got a quick question. So 
while it seems like common sense to have your information there for people to be able to reach out to you if you have a listing, um, if there has to be a rule there to make you do it, and it makes it easier to, <laughs> to find that information easily, I'm I'm good with it. I would also say it's not that hard finding out who the listing agent is. Like how many yeah. times have we gotten calls? And I know you've probably all gotten them. Hey, I don't want to work with a buyer agent. I'm going right to the listing agent from a buyer. Mm-hmm. Ever happened to you before? Right? It, it, apparently it's not that hard. Like these people can go know where they're going to. They can <laughs> figure it out. So, you know, this to me looks like NAR is trying to appease the DOJ. And we're going to get a little more into that because, again, that this settlement was apparently all negotiated, and then they're they're still enacting a lot of these things that they agreed to. I think this is NAR just trying to appease the DOJ. I don't think it really makes much of a difference in in my view. And to your point about Zillow, I mean that is kind of silly because they'll like I mean we know their model is they get someone, and this is what this is why agents hate Zillow or they aren't smart enough to realize why Zillow is an opportunity is that. Like they inquire about a property and they send it to an agent they know is going to respond because most agents don't respond. So like, it's funny Zillow says that because their whole business model is based on the complete opposite. <laughs> I, you know, it's it, it, interesting, interesting press take. Maybe that's because they ate some crow on that earnings call <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. So that was one component. I, I don't think that really makes a big difference. I don't think consumers really care to your point. They just want to go see the property. I mean, that exactly. it, it's always about the consumer. And it's not, I mean, if they want to talk to the listing agent, I'm sure they'll find them. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing that, that came out of this is that uh, the board of directors at NAR on Monday also approved uh, a couple other policy proposal, specifically one that requires MLS to allow um, brokers and agents to display buyer broker commissions on their listing sites and to include them in the data feeds they provide to agents and brokers. Uh, and, you know, it, but it does not require that the brokers and agents using the fees display the buyer brokers. So again, this is not, like that was right from the NAR settlement. So basically what they're saying here, the way I'm interpreting this and, and it's worded a little funny and, and mm-hmm. this yeah, is coming from right. Inman and they're, they're, they're pretty good. I mean, they, they know their stuff. So it says, Hey, we're, you have to display it on, on your listing site on the MLS, which our MLS already does. This is not right. anything new um, and include it in the data feed, but you don't have to show it on the public facing sites. Like what, what are we mm-hmm. talking about here? I don't see any change in what we're doing right now. <laughs> well, and Bright is, Bright is a little more progressive, yeah, our okay. MLS compared to others. So mm-hmm. maybe take that into account. That's all been disclosed. Yeah, that's all. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I guess for us, um, it we already we already have that. So I guess it would be more different for some other areas that didn't have that information already mm-hmm. uh, available to them. I don't see the point of even doing I mean, I guess you should do it. But like, w- they don't even require anybody to put it on the consumer facing sites. I thought that was kind of the whole intention of the DOJ suit. Mm -hmm. So again, this looks to me like, Hey, we're trying to make the DOJ happy. Yeah. Let's keep going. Riveting stuff (laughs) here with the NAR convention. This is why we don't go to this. Um, So there was a lot of controversy about this. um, And then, uh, you know, in the wake of the settlement, 65 MLSs started changing that. So that that's where you're kind of like we're, we're used to this here being with bright bright is one of the largest MLSs in the country besides the California MLS. Um, so th- they did that. I mean, I just don't think there's, there's that big of a deal here. Now the third change, this to me is really interesting. Buyer agents. Have you ever heard a buyer agent say, Hey, it's free to use me to buy a house. <laughs> uh, I heard, um, consumers say that it's, it's free mm-hmm. for them to use. Yeah, definitely. So they got it from an mm-hmm. agent, right? Have yep. you heard this before, yep. Sarah? Yep. yep. So this is the thing I think is the biggest change. Cause right. I see realtors do this all the time on like social media, like, Hey, 
you got a question about a house, it's free to use me. Right. And, I, you know, I guess you could argue that they don't pay the fee, but there is a fee being paid. So some, I mean, you know, mm -hmm. somebody's paying it, right? So the NAR, they, they, they passed two other proposals. Uh, the first was it prevents agents and brokers from advertising their services as free unless they will actually not receive any compensation <laughs> from anyone. That's what free means. <laughs> right. And that passed an overwhelming favor. Um, so what do you think about that one? Because I, I, I mean, I, I think this actually has some, some more meaning than the first two. Yeah, I think, I think it's important for buyers to understand that it's not free. Somebody is paying for the service. Um, somebody's paying on behalf of them, you know, to utilize, to, to have representation. So, and that has always been spelled out very clearly in our firm. How, how, sure, yeah. how we have to explain it um, because it's not free. But uh, that being said, um, I think that every buyer out there would want representation. So although it's not directly, for the most part, coming out of their pockets per se, but somebody is offering to pay the service for their own representation. So I'm glad that you, that can't be utilized anymore as free services. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good for buyers to understand the whole spectrum of how the whole transaction works and and where different things come from. And that that yes, like this is this is not a free service. Um, we we do get paid for representing them. Um, and this is this is where it comes from. And plus, on the sell side too, like a lot of sellers might say, well, there's companies out that you know they'll sell my house for two and a half percent commission. It's like, yeah, they will, but they're not going to co-op and they're not going to, you know, the buyers will have to be responsible for paying their buyer's agent fee. Mm -hmm. So that's going to limit the people that are going to want to come in and purchase your home exactly. because that's more money out of the buyer's pockets. So I yeah, think everybody factored in, in other, exactly. in other homes. Yeah, correct. Yep. That so, doesn't sound free at all based on what you told not me. Free. Mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I think this is a good point because I, this is another example of where, you know, uh, some realtors do this stuff and it's, it's very misleading. I mean, mm -hmm. because you're, you're getting that wrapped into your financing or something else. And, you know, if, and, and you bring up a good point with discount brokers. They say, oh, we'll list your home for X percent, but then you got to pay the buyer agent on top of it. It's, it's kind of like a bait and switch. So yeah. I really appreciate this. And also, you know, as a consumer, right. And you're buying your biggest asset. And buying a home is usually the more the more fun process to go through than selling. Selling kind of sucks, um, and, and uh, you know, with all the prep work you got to do and everything else, you know that that's exciting. And you're saying, "Oh, it's free." Well, I'd be like, "Well, why are you spending all this time working with me in the first place?" Like, I'm, I mean, I'm not, you know, I mean, this is your job. I'm sure you don't do it for charity. So then, a question: Who are you really working for, right? If the seller's paying you, then or it's free, and you're and you're getting paid by the seller. I mean, I would kind of question that relationship a little bit. So. The seller paying the fee in Pennsylvania versus it being free is, is a very different thing. Mm -hmm. um, on top of that, I think it's important that people, you know, just in the effort of transparency, I mean, every state's different, right? Like in Jersey, the seller pays the whole transfer tax. That's not how it works in Pennsylvania. So the more clear we can be, the better. And, you know, I, I you know, hopefully with some of these people, though, realizing that it's not free, hopefully this empowers the consumer to be more selective on who they're hiring instead of the first person they talk to. Because we know that 68% of consumers right now have a, are, uh, have a chance of hiring an agent or the consumer, excuse me, the consumer has a 68% chance of hiring an agent that's done zero to two deals this year. I mean, if it that's was free, sounds good. If they're getting paid, I mean, I'd be like, hey, how many homes are you selling? Like, what's your resume? Let's go. Like, this is a big decision. So that's where I, I, I'm hoping the consumers realize this a lot more because 
That's a lot of times where bad representation comes from. Exactly. Yep. They're not getting the correct and accurate information. So you, so you like this one. Here's the last mm-hmm. change. Filtering out listings by commission. So in the past, and I don't know if you can do this with Bright anymore. Um, the, the, the second piece of legislation that was passed says that brokers and agents are no longer able to filter out listings from website displays based on buyer broker commissions or the name of the brokerage or the agent. Uh, so basically, you can't filter out who's listing the property based on fee or the person. I, you know, I, I would imagine this came about because people were doing that. I don't know that I, I mean, I always look at, okay, you want to go see the house. Let's figure it out instead of, well, they're not paying me enough. I'm not going to go show it. So talk to me about this one. How do you feel about it, ladies? Well, I think if you're filtering anything uh, pertaining to your commission and pertaining to the brokerage firm, then you're not working in the best interest of your client. I mean, it's pretty obvious. You're, you're looking out for your a number one self, you know, oh, I don't want to work with that person or that commission's too low. I'm not doing that. I mean, that's bad. That's really bad right there. Yeah. I mean, I think you said it perfectly. Like you're, if that's what you're looking at first and that's, that's where you're filtering from, then yeah, that is, that is not looking out for your client. You are certainly having a lot of potentially really good homes, not get in front of their eyes, um, for them to make the decision of, is this a home I want to see or not? Um, so that's good. I'm glad they, I'm glad they passed that. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I would argue that uh, it's an ethical violation. I mean, I'm not the ethics police here or whatever you call or on the, you know, on any of these boards, but NAR came out and said this change, this changes wording is to reiterate the realtor's existing duty to inform clients about relevant properties, meeting their criteria. So, you know, I, like these sort of changes I love, I think it makes a lot of sense because like things like the definition of free, like you have to explain mm-hmm. this now to people. I find that we're in this world right now where people like they don't understand what things actually mean. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I'm off base here or not, but it's like, okay, I know what free means, but, and then I like how they said, that means you're not getting any compensation for helping them. It's not the other way around. This to me is a, is a great thing because I know there's realtors that have done this. Like they choose not to work with some people. They say, you don't want to work on that listing because so-and-so has it listed. You don't want to make an offer there. That person's difficult. You know, to me, that all needs to be removed from the conversation. Right. I'm sure there's agents you guys have run into that you didn't like working with. And I think that if anything, what that would do, if you saw that that was the agent that had the listing and you had the buyer, like know how to tighten up certain language. If there were certain things that um, you knew were issues in in past transactions, um, it's, you know, we always say you learn from every transaction, from every thing that goes wrong. Like if you take a, if you take a piece of that and use it in your, your future um, with your, with clients and with, with future offers and you know how to tighten everything up, then each time you're getting a little bit better. So if there is an agent on there that like maybe you have had some difficult transactions with, um, use that to your advantage in your offer to really button it up and uh, make sure that what you need to be in there is is in there, clear, no gray area. Great point. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it really is a small circle of the agents that you work with. So you, you always want to play nice because, and, and we're professionals, right? We're, <laughs> we're supposed to behave like professionals and we're, we're all working towards the same goal really is to get the house into the buyer's hands and away from the seller's hands. You know, we're, it's a transaction. We're all trying to get to the finish line. So if you just remember that and take out personal feelings and don't get your feelings hurt and don't assume things and take these things personally, you know, we're representing buyers. Mm-hmm. We're not, don't, you know, you can't worry about what 
our feelings are, you know, just try to keep a level head. And I think that's the most important thing when you're going through transactions, but they can go sideways. Um, but I think, we, like Sarah said, we all learn from them and it will come back around. So you never burn bridges, you know, you, just, oh, absolutely. <laughs> you never burn bridges. I wish everyone thought like you two, because that would make life a lot easier. Unfortunately, I think this stuff's <laughs> in here because it happens, right? right. And <laughs> you know, imagine, I mean, I can't imagine like, hey, you know, Stacey or Sarah, like you guys come up and, and we're in a transaction. Like, I'd love that house. I'm like, eh, you know, we're not going to look at it. The listing agent is a little too difficult or I don't like, like, I'd be like, I need a new right. agent. Like, right. goodbye. Agent, right. Like this, this game, this is over. So. Right. right. Like this is about me. This isn't about you. Right. <laughs> well, it's what about you, me buying a house. Yeah. Exactly. It's difficult. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And for the agents that, that I'm sure there's someone listening or someone watching that's probably done this before. I think that the, the coaching here comes from you too, which I love is write a better offer, know what you're getting into. And more importantly, just, just, you know, understand like your job is to get the person the house or to get the home sold. So I don't even bring that drama in. If I know it's right. a difficult agent, I'm just trying to prepare myself to deal with it and getting ahead of it. Like you said, tweaking the offer, being more direct with communication, like explaining things overly clear. Like that's, that's doing a better job as an agent. And I, I, I love that advice because that's what you can control because you don't know what the seller is going to do. You don't know what the buyer is going to do and you don't know what the other agent's going to do. Yep. So 100%. Yeah, I mean, actually, it can work to your advantage if it's an agent that you had a difficult transaction with before because you know exactly mm -hmm. what to expect. Um, so, yeah, I think it's I think you just have to use it to your to your advantage. Love it. So what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the top takeaways that are non legislate legislative related, I guess is the right word from NAR. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax at 610-692-6976 or visit our website. Sam, my guys here. To connect and take advantage of these market conditions. All right, all right. We are back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Timon. She's Stacey Mitchell. We got Nick behind the camera. And again, we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. And we are streaming live on Instagram this week. We made this happen. Great job, Nick. 
YouTube and Facebook. Just Google Tom Tool Sales Group. It all should come up pretty easy. And what we're going to talk about now is, so they had this NAR conference, and, and this to me is the much more interesting piece of this. The legislative stuff, fine. I think there's some value there. I think consumers should know that stuff. But here, this was an article by Bernice Ross uh, on Inman, and it's her opinion piece on the 11 top takeaways from NAR's annual conference. So I'm going to run down these with you, and let's do, do kind of a quick hit reaction on each one, and we can see if it's actually really something that matters or something that maybe people shouldn't really be too worried about. And the the, the first one um, is that NAR successfully defended the 1031 tax-free exchange. So NAR's leadership and all the realtors who fought for this at the grassroots level, um, there's no bill in D.C. to remove this from the tax code. So this is if you want to sell a home and to be subject to capital gains tax, you can actually buy another one, transfer the gain, and avoid the capital gains tax. You're deferring the tax till the next purchase. What do you guys think? I think it's great. I yeah. think, yeah, I, we had a lot of uh, investors that were really quite worried about this if it were to be implemented and how it would affect their bottom line, you know, when they go to liquidate. So there was great, great concern about this actually coming to fruition. So I, I'm thrilled to death that, that this is uh, going to stay in place. Yeah, I think this one definitely matters, definitely um affects investors. And then that's, there's a trickle down effect there to all the other pieces in play that, you know, other parties that are involved in a transaction, um, that it, it trickles down to them as well. So I think this is, this is a big win. This is probably the best thing NAR has done from a getting involved in Washington DC standpoint that I've ever seen in the past 20 years. Uh, this is a big deal. And they were they were very gung-ho about this, this new administration. They wanted to roll back this tax and investors were losing their mind. I love that this got that they defeated it. I think this is a big win for NAR. And usually NAR is not good at this stuff. I'm gonna like, I mean, when we were shut down for COVID, like they were nowhere to be found. We didn't know what the heck was going on. But this is a win for a lot of people. Great job. Love this one. I thought it's hard to disagree with that. I don't I don't know. I don't know how you do it. Um, second takeaway. So I tell me what you think about this. 2021 is a banner year for the industry despite the pandemic. According to Lawrence Yoon, the chief economist of NAR, he said once the numbers are counted up at the end of December, we're going to find out that home sales this year would have been the best in 15 years since 2006, and they can be attributed to the resilience and perseverance of the realtor community as it came roaring back from arguably the greatest disruptive event of our lifetimes. What do you think about this? Well, I think it's something we already know. <laughs> But yeah, I like <laughs> I like what he said about the resilience and perseverance of the realtor community. Yeah, kudos to all of us, right? But I think it's something we already know. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I think um, when you're in it and it's it's going on and it's we all know it's been a very incredible market. Um, it absolutely makes sense that when you reflect on it at the end of the year, that it's 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 been a good year. <laughs> I, Lots I mean, of sales. <laughs> there have been a lot of sales, and and I, I I do I like that he talked about resilience and perseverance. I wouldn't say this was the greatest disruptive event of our lifetimes, from maybe overall, but not from like a like a real estate standpoint. I would argue the 2008 crash was a lot worse, having gone through that, because there was a lot more uncertainty about when things would come back. Um, but in general, yes, this has been very disruptive. So from a non real estate perspective, agree there. The resiliency and perseverance, you know, no one talks about when there's 28 offers on a property and 27 realtors had to go through writing that offer and telling their clients they didn't get the house. Right. Nobody talks about the 
hundreds of phone calls the listing agent has to deal with and people like yelling and screaming at them when they don't get the house. Uh, and so I, I do agree that it's been a tougher year for realtors than people think because everyone thinks like when a lot of homes are selling, it's like, oh yeah, everyone's making a lot of money and, and it's going great. There's a lot of nonsense you got to deal with. And there, there, like it, there's gut punches that happen on, I would say on a weekly basis at this point. So yeah. I do appreciate where I he's agree. coming from there. I mean, it's been, yeah. you know, for all the wins, there's been a lot of losses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cause people are, they assume, oh, it's great. You guys are doing great. It's like, well, to your point. Yeah. But it's, it. There's, there's that other side to it too. All the gut punches, you know, it's just like, oh my gosh, that's my sixth offer. And I still didn't get, you know, it still didn't get accepted. It's tough out there and it's tough keeping the buyers in the game too. You know, they yep. start to lose, you know, they start to feel, you know, um, just disheartened and uh, it, it's hard to keep them in it too. But yeah, that's what we do. You know, we, we, we're resilient and we persevere. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's obviously like, it's very heartbreaking for the the clients when they don't get the house. But like you take that hit too. Like not just from like a financial like, oh man, but you know, you've been working with these buyers. You've maybe put in a number of offers. You maybe felt really good about this one. And uh it's, you know, not to the not to the same like heart wrench that the the buyer is gonna feel about not getting the property, but it is. You have to just kind of keep going and like maybe take a minute to just be like, man, but then it sucks to make those. Well, but yeah, calls. you have to, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not a fun call. There's nothing fun about that call. And I, I I do appreciate what he said there. And I mean, I look back at last year and I was last year was a little tougher because we had like the shutdown. We didn't know what was going to happen. And then like, I don't know about you guys. I felt like I didn't stop working until like December 25th when things opened mm -hmm. up. Like it was just nonstop. This year has been a little more seat, but it's been it's been it's been a tough year in a lot of ways. So um, I, I do agree with that. So let's move on to takeaway number three. And I appreciate your perspective there because there, there's a lot of stuff people don't talk about. Um, number three, supply chain issues expected to improve in 2022. Um, and, you know, he, Yoon goes on to say that he basically thinks the worker shortage is going to be an ongoing challenge for the entire economy. And that when Americans received their stimulus checks, they went on a buying spree and that factories were still closed to the pandemic. So do you think this is going to get better? I guess is the big question. I don't, I don't know how you come to that conclusion. Yeah, I don't know how... Um they actually state that it's expected to improve because I haven't heard any real concrete plans on how it's going to improve. <laughs> it just seems to be getting worse and worse. Um, so the data is not there that, you know, they're putting, they're implementing and putting things in place for it to improve. So I'm not really sure how um, they speculate that to happen, but uh, I think it's, it's going to continue to be tight actually, um, especially because, we're coming into the holiday season and there's going to be even more purchases. So it's going to put more strain. So, yep. and then we go into the first quarter of next year and then we go into the second quarter. So I'm not sure at this one. Yeah. I mean, I, that would be great if, uh, <laughs> if everything improves here and, and everything's good. But from what I've seen, um, I, I wouldn't count on it at least for the the beginning of the year here. Yeah. So from a, a guy that has little kids at home and, you know, it's Christmas time and all this coming up, like we, like there have already been issues like getting like presents and toys and like all sorts where you're paying like double the price. Um, now that's someone running a business. that's a little different. Um, I, I don't, I don't see any data. I'm with, I'm with you ladies. I think that the issue is there's a, there, there's a worker shortage right now and some people are okay with that. And 
it's, I mean, there's stuff that's back ordered like all the time. Like, I mean, you order like a table and it takes three months to show up at your house. Like it's, yep. it's ridiculous. Appliances. So yeah, all, all that stuff. So, you know, th- that's going to be a big challenge for homeowners. I don't, I don't really, uh, I mean, I hope it improves. I hope he's right, but I don't, I don't totally agree with that. And I think that's going to be t- tied a lot to like vaccinations and like employers saying like, Hey, we're not going to be okay with people not working anymore. So I, I don't know how that's going to go. A um, couple need to know stats from the 2021 NAR profile of home buyers. That's the next takeaway. So the two more, most important ones you need to know, I thought this was pretty interesting. Um, in 2020, 67% of buyers and 75% of sellers only interviewed one agent. Wow. In 2021, 73% of buyers and 82% of sellers only interviewed one agent. What does that tell you? Make a good first impression. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or maybe you don't have to if they're going to hire you anyway. No, no yeah. just kidding. Just um, get in front of them, yeah, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, get in front of them. I would say talk to more people to set more appointments. Like that's really what it comes down to. I'm clear this next 12 months. And as we head into 2022, we're going to shift from like, a, okay, you fell into some deals, which I think has happened to everybody, like mm-hmm. me included. Like, I mean, it's, I'm not, there's no, there's nothing negative there to, if you can talk to just, five more people a day, mm-hmm. 10 more people a day. That's going to do a tremendous thing for your business. And a lot of folks just don't want to pick up the phone. That's such an issue right now. So I would argue that, you know, the more outreach that happens, the better off you're going to be. And anyone that's got an inbound flow of leads where they're getting like live phone call connections or those sort of things, like that's going to be a real boon for, for, for the, those organizations and those teams and those companies. I mean, that, that, that's what I see here. Here's the second stat. Um, that for the last decade, the median length of time sellers stayed in their homes has been nine to 10 years. That number um, dropped to eight years and hasn't been that low since 2010. What do you think about that? Wow. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if, uh, like, if they're moving locally, I would like to dig more into that number. Like, are they relocating into different states? Like, what, what's the, um, why are they declining or are the number of years that they're staying in their homes less? Right. And I mean, that's going to, that just kind of fuels and spurs everything there for, you know, if you're staying in your home less then you're buying again and then you're selling, like that's just, um, you know, it's not just a one-sided thing like, oh no, I'm buying again. That's, it's two sales there. And mm-hmm. then that mm-hmm. funnels in more and more, you know, so it, um, it creates a little bit of a, you know, a lot of, a lot of transactions just by reducing that uh, time that you're in your home. Well, and, and what also I, I see happening too is there's probably a lot of people that made a lot of money on their home and they're like, wow, I can't believe I can get into this next property. Right. And because rates have dropped. So think of someone who bought a home like five, six years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Rates were like high threes, low fours. Um, and all of a sudden prices are up 10% just this year alone. I mean, all of a sudden they have all this extra equity in their home and they're saying, well, I can get a lower payment. I can get a bigger house. And my family almost killed each other during the pandemic when we were shut down there. <laughs> right. So to me, that that's as much of this as anything else is that I, I, some people are looking at the opportunity more. And I would congratulate those people, unlike in the first segment, where the ones that have kind of waited, 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 waited. I think that's where the mistake happens. So I love that people are kind of taking the advice that we're giving is that if you want to make a move, here's the reasons to do it right now. So I think that that's as much of a factor as anything else because the market's good. If you look at the um, when it was 2010, well, you know, look at what led up to 2010, mm. 2004, five, six, we saw record appreciation as well for different reasons that turned out to be not good in a lot of ways that caused an economic shutdown or not shutdown, but meltdown. So you saw that same kind of run up there and, and people cashing in on that equity. And some people are going to do that in time to market right. 
Others are going to just make decisions based on their family needs. So I think that probably has something to do with it. Another stat, this is, I really want to hear your, your take on this one. 73% of the sellers that sold last year either knew or worked with the agent based on a referral. What does that tell you? That it's very important. <laughs> Referrals matter. <laughs> I think that, um, yeah, when you, it's like anything. I, I refer people. So to me, it's very important. Word of mouth is a number one. You yeah. have personal experience with someone. You, they did a great job. You want to pass that on to your family and friends. So I think it's, that's absolutely. A, I think supreme. reputation matters and doing right by your clients um, is going to pay off in the long run, in the long run, um, time and time again by, by word of mouth um, and getting like a, a short term, you know, like gain. I don't even know what the scenario would, would be there, but definitely, you know, do right by your clients and, um, and getting referrals is, it makes you feel good too. You know, that yeah, like somebody thought that you did a good job. I mean, even if you know you did a good job, it's it's great to, to have them or someone like, to hey, tell you, hey, you did yeah. a good job. Yeah. Not only did I think you did a good job, but here's my mom, you right. know, and I want you to help her out. And that's like a great feeling. Yep. Love that. Now, that's a great, that's a great observation. And, and what I know is that like everyone, we, we talk about Zillow a lot on the show and everyone's worried about these big companies and the people that are out there. Well, if you're listing homes and you're an agent, and you can leverage that and you keep in touch with your clients, especially the ones that you did a nice job with. I mean, we our retreat last week, we had a whole like segment dedicated to this because you can't beat that on the national level. You got a connection, you got a relationship and th that stuff goes a long way. And, you know, I, I knew where you were going with this, Sarah, with like short term gain versus long term gain. Right. A lot of people, they just like they're turn and burn. They just want to do another transaction. They don't take care of the people to get them under contract. And it's like a pretty crappy experience versus doing the right thing, saying, hey, you probably shouldn't buy this house. Mm -hmm. I know you ladies have both had this conversation with people I have too. And giving them the right advice, not just trying to turn it into another transaction, that that goes a long way. And long-term gain, I mean, the long game is always what wins at the end of the day. And like continuing to pick up your phone when you see that it's them calling, whether it's like, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's, you're still in the middle of the transaction. There's, yep. there's different pieces or different information that you need. Um, or picking up the phone after the fact, it, it could be that, you know, they've, they've got a question, they've got a concern, something happened, you know, now that they're in the house, or it could be them saying, I like you, I trust you. And now I've, I've got somebody else for you to work with. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love that stat. And I think that's something all realtors need, need to know about. And those kind of, those kind of trainings, that's exactly what we offered our team. So if you're thinking about getting into real estate, you don't have a license, check out our scholarship program. It's realestatescholarshipprogram.com. Here's the rest of the takeaways. We're going to have to go fast here. Fireworks from CoStar. CoStar intends to be a dominant player in the real estate resident residential real estate tech space. What do you ladies think? I don't know. I like that they actually just showed a little link one here of them like actually having fireworks. <laughs> Good work by yeah. the Inman article. Right, yeah, I mean, it didn't right. really like say much except they they had fireworks. <laughs> well, I think what it means is they bought HomeSnap. They came out, they trashed Zillow a couple of weeks ago yeah. at Inman and they, they call it what they, they, they wouldn't even call them by their name. It was like, it was like, like some sort of Z name. I don't even remember. Right, right. That's I'm going to get it wrong. I was going to say Zerpel, which is actually a CRM. Um, so, Close. but I, I think what they're saying here, let me go deeper. And uh, this is the last major, major takeaway here we got. And we got a couple minutes is that, um, you know, they bought HomeSnap. They've kind of come out and said like, Hey, Zillow, we're coming for you. Yep. Like, I mean, in no uncertain terms. And, you know, these are big companies here. This isn't like, you know, like the, like Pats versus Geno's or something where it's like, you know, these guys just live with each other and don't like each other or however that works. 
Um, so, you know, my view of this, and, and I'll give my takeaway, and you guys can kind of chime in as we wrap up here, is that something's going to happen here. It's going to kind of blow people's minds. And I don't think anyone really knows it yet. I would imagine CoStar is going to do something with HomeSnap, similar model to Zillow, referral fee, something like that. I, that's kind of what I see happening here because Zillow has shown they got some weakness right now. And that's when people pounce on these big companies. You know, I'm always a big fan of keeping my head down, executing on my plan. CoStar looks like they kind of put a target on them and are coming after them. They are, and they're, and they're celebrating. I mean, they are <laughs> celebrating. Look, the fireworks. They hosted a booth with a Tesla and vacation giveaways. I mean, they're like seriously going to fill the void here where Zillow has totally collapsed in that area. CoStar's, yeah, they're, they're very, very excited and they're coming for the market. I don't think Zillow's collapsed. I think they no, made the mistake right. of going into iBuying, which was not their core business. And now the iBuyers that have been able to do it at scale, they've been able to you know, execute on that. So Sarah, what do you think real quick? We got about 30 seconds. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we're going to have to kind of wait and see what else they they roll out this year, but they seem excited. Um, they seem hyped and they're they're ready to go into 2022. I kind of wish in this little fireworks clip that they did, though, <laughs> it would have like had the fireworks spell out CoStar. Like, because I actually clicked on it and watched it and then it was just regular fireworks. <laughs> I mean, that would be some... I, so, I've like, never I seen that been, before. I could have been slightly more impressed with the fireworks. But other than that, would let's like see a, what happens. The Eagles parade when they played Philly Philly or they, they yeah. spelled that out in the, in the clouds. So yeah, it can be done. We're getting the rap music here. So um, you want to follow Sarah. She's on Instagram. It's underscore. It's at Ty, T-Y underscore Ty time. So T-Y underscore T-Y-T-I-M-E. You can follow Stacy at the number two, Mitchco, M-I-T-C-H-C-O on Instagram. Follow me at TomTool3RD at TomTool3rd. We're streaming live every week on Facebook, YouTube, and now Instagram. You want to find the team, just Google us, TomTool Sales Group at Remax. Thanks for tuning in this week. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM.